the Modern Mamas podcast. We're here to provide a safe space for open dialogue, insights, and anecdotes about empowered pregnancy, labor, delivery, parenthood, and everything in between with zero judgment and open hearts and minds. I'm Jess, a level one CrossFit trainer, a birth weight coach, and a licensed and certified athletic trainer. I have my master's degree in kinesiology, and I am currently studying to be a certified nutrition consultant. I'm the blogger behind Hold the Space Wellness, as well as mom to two small kiddos. And I'm Laura, a certified CrossFit trainer, certified nutrition consultant, BirthFit Santa Cruz Regional Director, and mama to Edie Wilder. I'm also the woman behind Radical Roots, where you'll find recipes, fitness insights, travel tips, consulting, and more. Please note that while we're here to provide advice and insights, we aren't medical practitioners and always recommend that you check with a trusted provider before implementing any changes. Thanks for joining us. We are so happy you're here. Hi. Hello. (laughs) Take it away. No, I'm just kidding. Um, Here we are. We're here. We made it to another day. Um, Today's episode... I always have to like ask Laura about this. What episode is this? Uh, 21. 21. Killing it. We are like on it for reals. I love it. We're like in, in this, we're committed, we're deep, we're loving it, and we're loving you guys. And the feedback seriously like melts us. It's That's why we do this. So thank you for that. Um, but maybe we should introduce who we are in case this is someone's first episode. <laughs> Yeah, we are the modern. Well, I guess you already heard our intro, but <laughs> thanks for joining us for another episode, friends. <laughs> Absolutely, I'm I'm actually surprised that people like hanging out with us because I feel like such a nerd. But shoot, I feel like I'm pretty cool. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> I guess you take my cool level up a notch. I'm no, over here like Doo-doo. I'm kidding. <laughs> I think we make a pretty cool team, and um, I'm grateful that people want to listen to us and. I, it's been fun because we have the Facebook group now. And so I'm getting to know some of our listeners and our listeners are really cool. Like really cool. They've got great insight. Like I love it. A lot of them are just like no nonsense, kick-ass mamas. And, um, and the support has been amazing. And what I find to be most amazing is that in that group, there is people have asked some like really personal questions and, um, there's been no judgment. I haven't Mm -hmm. seen a single response that has come across judgmental in any way. So that like that just is a testament, I think, to this community, and um, we're super grateful for you guys. So, oh, if you want to join that group, find uh, just search Modern Moms Tribe on Facebook, and we'll add you, and you can become a part of it. It's really cool. Absolutely, and I feel like everyone in there kind of lives by the golden rule. Like, if you don't have anything nice or constructive to say, just don't say anything. It's like, yeah, and everyone so far has been spot on with that. Um, it's really cool. I wish our world would live more by the golden rule, but <laughs> me too, especially right now. Wishful thinking. Wishful Social media thinking. makes the golden rule even harder for people, oh, I think, yeah. because it's so easy to have like a slapstick, just like, I don't know if that's the right word, but a, a, like a, a shotgun, like quick response to something mm-hmm. that you see and you have an emotional reaction. You can write it right away and you don't have to look at someone's eyes when you say it. So it makes mm-hmm. it harder and people feel so judged all the time, especially in this world, man, motherhood, mm-hmm. parenthood in general is pretty much like the prime space to be judgy because you're already (laughs) judging yourself. Well, most of the time you're like second guessing your decisions and everything that you're doing. And then add that to just the fact that everyone else is kind of silently doing the same to other people. It's like, 
<laughs> Hopefully, <laughs> and uh, sadly, not often enough yeah. is it silent. <laughs> yeah. I just listened to, um, there's a podcast, an NPR podcast called The Longest Shortest Time, and it's about parenting, and I love it. And there was one called, like, it's like the history of judgy parenting. I'll link to it in the show notes, but it talks about how far back judge, judgmental parenting, like parents judging each other goes, um, like all the way back into like why there's judgment around like thumb sucking and pacifiers. And it's just, it's like, it's our, it seems so archaic, the things that were, they were judging each other about back then and like comical where things stem from, but someday this is going to be history. And people might be looking back at us and thinking like, man, that is crazy that they were judging each other for that. So I try to keep that in mind. Like uh, what we judge each other for now might seem ridiculous in the future and just trying to, you know, and I think the biggest thing to remember is that every parenting decision is done from a place of love, like wanting to do what's best for the kid. And so, um, I, I, I applaud moms for reaching out and asking questions and being able to be raw and real with us in asking those questions. And, um, yeah. Yeah, totally. That's, I'm definitely going to start listening to that podcast because it sounds right up my alley. And there was one recently, and I think we've had some questions, so I'd like to have a whole episode on like postpartum sex because, Mm. you know, that's a thing. That's, it's a thing that's interesting (laughs) to get back into. And it's a conversation that not enough people are having, but they had a sex, a sex bird on, um, this amazing French woman. Well, she's got a French accent, but I guess she's Dutch. But anyways, she goes all into like, she answers listener questions about postpartum sex. And, and I just found it to be incredible. So, um, Mm. I'll link to that one too, but yeah, we should. That's amazing. On that. I'd love to get her on. That would be super cool. Dude, we've got to make it happen. Yeah. I mean, we can share our experiences, but, you know. Yes. <laughs> definitely not a sex expert. No. <laughs> I'm a sex expert. N equals one experiment. <laughs> yeah. That's all. Uh, um, that's so awesome. what is new with you? Um, I'm trying to think. Let's see. Let's see. couple things. Like a couple of things, like actually have a couple of things, but really there's only like one thing. Um, still back on the workout um, wagon, so that's been really good. I we were talking beforehand, and I was going to go into some stuff, but I was like, ah, eh, I'll save it for the check-in. But um, finally getting to the point where um, I mean, it's only been two weeks, but CrossFit is getting more fun, <laughs> which is exciting. So and awesome, then, yeah, and yoga too. Like I have just been pleasantly surprised by how much I enjoy it. Um, and so mixing those two in with the strength training and the cardio and then the yoga for kind of some like mindfulness and like strength in a different way. Um, we call it, I think it was Melissa Hartwig. She had a, she like does years where she like focuses on something like, like physical wise. And last year it was like the year of strong and bendy where she wanted to like obviously get strong and flexible. So we call it strong and flexy over here. So that's my goal. So, and I'm really excited about that and sharing that because, um, you know, I am four years postpartum after my first kiddo, uh, about 15 months after Camille. And I'm finally just now getting to a place where I want to get more focused on like training and seeing like, okay, like how can I not necessarily change my body, but change my body, like get stronger, get, you know, more fit, more flexible. 
um, kind of focus on myself a little bit. So you asked if I was drinking coffee today and I am of course drinking chameleon cold brew. We are not sponsored by them, (laughs) but we should be. (laughs) Um, but one of the things that I've noticed is that now that I'm stopped for the most part nursing, um, I feel like I can pay a little bit more attention to mindful eating, like based on really what my body wants and my body goals. And I don't want anyone to like think, Oh my gosh, like why body goals, but it's okay to like want to change your body composition in different 100%. ways. Um, we can't and so, judge, we can't judge women for wanting to look a certain, no, like I, I just, no. there's a fine line, right? Right. <laughs> and so I'm at that point where I'm like, okay, like I'm ready to focus on myself to see if I can change the way that I feel about myself, my confidence and get stronger. So all that to say, we've talked to Laura off cam- off camera. Well, it is kind of camera too, but, um, about some little things that I'm going to start doing. I don't really like having a history of like eating disorders and, um, like disordered eating patterns, like circling around control. Um, macros for me, I know would be the quickest way to kind of change body composition and see, um, play around with that sort of stuff. But because I have a history of it, I don't really, nor do I really have the time to weigh and measure and all that good stuff. Um, I'm just starting by doing consistent workouts. So check, check that off. Uh, and then also, um, cutting out sugar, added sugar. So, um, I am a sugar fiend and I do take maple syrup in my coffee most of the time. So I'm going to try and cut that out, um, just to see if I can tolerate it. And then who knows, maybe with that, I won't be quite so addicted to my coffee and it will cut my caffeine intake down. Not making any promises. I've tried to do that several times before, but uh, here I am, a two cup a day habit with my chameleon cold brew. Um, so this is weird, you guys. Laura, <laughs> Laura and I are, we're not having any guests on today. It's just a total um, her and I interview and real life happened. She had to go attend to Evie. So I'm just talking about to myself. Um, and it's weird. And I'm so glad I have a podcast partner, uh, for the most part. Hi. Hi. <laughs> I was telling the listeners, like, I feel so weird. I'm talking to myself and I don't know what to do. <laughs> I had to go get the baby. She wasn't fussing, but she was starting to, she has this new thing. I tried to jump into my updates. No. Yeah, go for it. That's all. I talked <laughs> about coffee and yeah, it's fine. <laughs> Sorry. I bailed. I was like, I gotta go get the kid. Um, I have her in our new Ergo. Um, so a couple updates. First off, we just switched to, (laughs) I've got the, my headphones like on her head. Uh, we just switched from, we got the like organic Ergo, um, when at a baby shower when I was pregnant and we absolutely love it. But this kid really likes to take in her world. And so she, so we ended up buying the, um, Ergo 360 because she'll be able to spin or like sit in every, in every direction. And also it sits lower. So even when she's facing in, cause she's not big enough to face out yet, she can still see what's going on. So she's much more content to be in here, like while I work and whatnot. Um, so that's been awesome. We will link to that in the show notes, the three, I wish we had just gone mm-hmm. the 360 from the beginning. But the regular one that we have will, will hold her to much heavier weights. So I'm actually glad we have both because this one's good until it's, I forget how many pounds. Um, but the other one is basically like she can go in that until she no longer wants to. Yeah. I've seen friends with like a, like a three-year-old in there. So 
that's cool. That is amazing. Um, yeah. We also still use the Soli, but the Soli baby at this point is, um, she likes it. I use that one in the grocery store cause I can kind of like scoot her to the side. I have one arm on her and, um, I like talk her. Our new favorite thing is going to the grocery store when we go together and I'll just like talk her through the whole trip. So I'll explain to her that we're, we're in the produce aisle and look, should we, and I'll ask her questions like, do you want kale or broccoli? And <laughs> she's just super engaged. Um, and one thing I'm learning now is that the best way to calm her down when she's fussy is just to talk to her mm-hmm. and to like, to look at her and listen and talk to her and let her know what's happening. If she's fussy and I'm trying to get food, food made, I'll just tell her like, Hey kiddo, I hear you. And I'll pick her up and like, hold her as I'm doing stuff. And she calms down. I think she just wants to be heard. Mm-hmm. And we are definitely in the teething phase now. So drool everywhere. Mm-hmm. And I'm a little fussier in the evenings and just chewing on everything, but it's not so bad. I know it's going to get a lot gnarlier, but right now it's not so mm-hmm. bad. Um, it may not get gnarlier. Some kids deal with it Yeah, and it's no problem. I don't have those kids, but I hope so. <laughs> we'll see, you know, and, and the different types of teeth, I'm sure are different too. The oh, ones yeah. versus the Molars whatnot. are hell on earth. I'm not going to lie, but I don't want to yeah. scare you. <laughs> That's where we're at. I'm so sick of, I, I feel like this, I shouldn't really complain about this, but I live in Northern California and there's been just an insane amount of fires. Um, we had the, like the Napa County fire in Santa Rosa, which has just been devastating for people, people I know personally. And then, um, and then now last night or yesterday, early morning, there was a fire in the Santa Cruz mountains. So the air quality has been really gnarly. I was supposed to start my first prenatal series with uh, six different mamas this past Sunday. And we had to push back cause I didn't want them coming out here dealing with this air quality. So hopefully things are settled by this coming Sunday, but I'm pretty excited about that. Um, they're going to get some paleo Valley goodies and super pumped on that. If you guys hadn't heard quick plug, we've done some work <laughs> in paleo Valley, um, hopefully more to come in the future, but we love that company. So um, much love, so much love. So mm-hmm. I think that's kind of where we're at as far as updates. I'm trying to think if I have anything else, but, um, I think that's it for now. So yeah. Awesome. Should we dive in? Yes. We have a very I think it's an inter- I think all of our topics are interesting, but this one was actually a listener request um, about our individual path to conception. And her kind of reason for it is that, you know, we've touched kind of the basics behind, oh, it took me so-and-so months to get pregnant and blah, blah, blah. But we haven't really dove very deeply into what we did specifically to prepare um, our, our individual difficulties or things that we had to do that were uniquely part of our path, um, getting pregnant. Um, and so I feel like that's valuable for people, especially if they've been in the same space that we have, or even if they haven't, and they, they haven't kind of started their own path to conception, they can kind of take what they, what resonates with them and possibly utilize that or not utilize it. If it, if we are like, Hey, this didn't work for us. Um, you know, as always, you can take this stuff with a grain of salt, but this is just kind of our individual paths. And so we're happy to kind of sh- dig into that and share it with you. Um, I know Laura's is probably a, a tad more interesting, um, because she actually had some things that she had to work through and recover in order to, um, get to where she was, I guess the technically would be fertile. And so I'm going to let her go first because I really just, we've talked 
bits and pieces about her story, but um, I'm excited to hear it from start to finish. So take it away, my friend. All right. You guys might hear some baby noises, but that's what (laughs) comes with this podcast. (laughs) Welcome (laughs) to our podcast. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So yeah, mine kind of goes back pretty far. I've talked a little bit about this. I know I mentioned it in our nutrition episode um, early on. Gosh, I think I was pregnant during that one. But I talked a little bit of, oh, I talked a little bit about how um, I did not have a period for five years. So it started, you know, I was, I got my period first when I was like 15 um, and it was irregular and I had bad cramps. And so the doctor was like, hey, just let's put you on birth control. And my mom's like, make sure you call it hormones so people don't think you're having sex. <laughs> I'll never forget that. But in any case, it was to help regulate them and to alleviate some of the pain. And I look back now and I get so frustrated because I think about the fact that I was 15 years old. I had only had probably like four cycles total, maybe. And the doctor put me on something that would impact the rest of my life instead of letting things regulate. So wait, sorry to interrupt. Did you have irregular periods in that they weren't timed like consistently or they were just like heavy or... They were, they were, um, there was like a long span between, and then when it would come, um, the cramps were really bad. Mm-hmm. So they put me on birth control gotcha. and I was 15 years old. Um, I was a late bloomer and it was just like, I was tiny and I, I don't know, I think back now and I just get pretty frustrated instead of like seeing like what was actually going on. They just put me on, um, hormones. So I was on them all the way till college. And then in college, I, went to like the almost like Planned Parenthood for on campus. And they gave me low estrin, which was like a super low dose birth control or something along those lines. You guys, this is not going to be a sciencey episode. <laughs> just so you know, we're just telling our stories based on how we remember them. Right. And so that one made my period disappear altogether. And was I remember on going purpose, like, cause I know they have certain types of birth control that are for skipping periods. All right. <laughs> okay. Sounds good. Okay. So I was, I went on that one and it wasn't necessarily supposed to take away periods, but she said it was pretty common with that specific birth control. And so I, um, was like, sweet, this is convenient. So I didn't have a period. And then I graduated and I started um, teaching and got on good insurance and kept taking it. And then I switched careers and there was about a six month period where I had no insurance. And so I wasn't going to pay birth control. It costs an arm and a leg if you're not insured. And so I wasn't going to pay. So I just stopped taking it and my period never came back. And at this point I was also engaged and knew at some point we'd want to have kids and realized um, before I even got into like nutrition or science or any of that, cause I had been an English major, but intuitively knew that if I wanted to have a kid, I needed to have a period. And so I got back on insurance when I started working for CrossFit and, um, did not get back on the pill. So that whole time we kind of just used family planning method, except for the fact we tried to, but I had no cycle. I had, so I was tracking, I started tracking using the Kendara app, um, had like no symptoms, just symptoms. Just, um, yes. And which I didn't really have any of that either. So this is, I hope this isn't TMI for anyone, but we just use the pullout method. Basically. But <laughs> there's no such knew, thing like, as TMI on this podcast. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I knew that, um, with that being said, I wasn't going to get pregnant anyways, cause I didn't have a period. And I know you can ovulate and not bleed, but I was pretty in tune with my body and I knew that I wasn't even ovulating. Um, 
Did you ever, sorry, I keep interrupting you. No, it's fine. Um, Did you ever like use an ovulation, uh, like tracker? Yeah. Yes. So I started doing that actually, but I I stopped, I didn't start doing that till I got a period because I knew it would drive me out. It would drive me mad. Um, and so I, let's see. So this was 2012. I got my period back. So I hadn't had a period at that point for at least two years, um, maybe three. And then, um, I was, you know, and then it took another two or three for it to finally, no, it took four. It didn't come back till 20, gosh, all my numbers. No, it came back October of 2015. So you had four Uh, years after you stopped the pill where you still weren't having a period, but you weren't necessarily doing anything nutritionally. I was doing a lot. So starting in 2013 is when I started to really think about the fact that this was a problem. But it wasn't, so at that point, that's like when I picked up paleo and started eating like really, really nourishing, deeply nourishing foods, but still training probably too hard in CrossFit, mm-hmm. overtraining. So I had been an endurance athlete for a number of years. And I, and so I was used to training like for triathlons where a normal day would be at least two hours mm-hmm. of training specifically for a sport. So I took that same mentality into CrossFit. And for those of you who do CrossFit, you know that it's very intense. So to train for two hours a day, like do multiple wads plus accessory work, plus maybe like heavy squats most days of the week, um, that's not putting your body in a place where it's going to be fertile (laughs) because that amount of stress, while it can be good if you're training for the games and if you have that capacity, which I didn't, and I got injured and that's a whole nother story, but, um, having, that amount of stress on the body is not setting you up, setting me up to be fertile and to carry a life and to have a period. And so I was doing all this stuff nutritionally, you know, eating all the right foods, nutritioning really hard. Um, and then I hurt my neck. And so I had to take a big step back from training. And there was at least a year where pretty much all I did was walk and some like air squats and body weight stuff and physical training. How did you hurt your neck? I, I I'm still that. not entirely sure. I think it was, it wasn't like a, a one-time boom, I'm screwed. Yeah. yeah. It was a, from, from just build up. I remember I got the handstand pushups and I did in within a week, I probably did four workouts cause I was so excited, you know, mm-hmm. kipping and not necessarily always controlling the descent. Um, so I think that played into it. I did a workout. The workout I remember where it, the, it, it started was, um, it wasn't like an immediate thing, but that was the last workout I can remember doing was a deadlift handstand pushup workout. And I think I just, that was like the, the final straw, um, just too much on my spine. And so, and then it was just a series of things. So that turned into like chronic pain and I couldn't for the life of me figure it out. So then I started stressing more about nutrition. Like, well, maybe if I just eat more anti-inflammatory foods and, and nutrition harder and that it would go away. Um, and so years, you know, at this point it had been like a couple years, it was really bad. It was on and off, but it was pretty much chronic. And I realized I needed to talk to somebody because the pain was, it was consuming and it had me kind of in this dark place where I felt as though I, this is going to be forever. Mm-hmm. And still in the back of my mind, I was thinking like, I also don't have a period. And even if I were to get pregnant, I can't have a baby in this state where I'm in pain. Um, and so, so I was doing everything sorry. Right. I'm, yeah. I'm pausing. Um, so you got hurt and then you stopped working out hard, but you still 
I was still really stressing about nutrition. Stress. Okay. So I'm just kind of like guiding our listeners here because it's, it's not just one thing. It's you had your nutrition in line. Mm -hmm. Now you kind of cut back on fitness. So you weren't Mm -hmm. going as hard, but there's still the stress component. So you still didn't get your period. Um, and so I just want to like point that out here yes. as we move into it. So, so basically ahead. what will, what will, will come from this conversation is that it's a three pronged solution. Yeah. So the first was cutting back on the fitness and I think CrossFit is phenomenal. I've devoted most of my life, most of my adult life to it. Um, but what I was doing was not CrossFit as it's, as it's designed. Mm-hmm. I was overtraining. I was doing multiple workouts a day. Um, so I had to cut back on that and I started just walking a ton and this is what's funny. I was walking a ton and listening to podcasts on like nutrition that would kind of spiral me into more like stress because mm-hmm. I was like, Oh, well this person's doing this. I should implement that. And then I had overload of inf- information. Um, and I tried to implement everything. And so it really increased my stress levels in terms of how I could fix myself. And I've always been pretty a type, like I need to fix myself. And so I thought I could fix this, give me all the tools and I'm going to, I'm going to fix it. Um, and that was not, I just started getting into a pretty dark place because nothing I did was working. My period was not coming back. My pain was not going away. And, um, I would, you know, I saw Western medicine doctors. I saw a number of regular OBs. I saw naturopaths. I went on like progesterone creams. I did all the things and, I got all the tests and none of my blood work, even with a naturopath or a functional medicine practitioner, my blood work was not alarming. Um, and so there was nothing that was like a red flag. Um, I had low, low progesterone. And so I went on progesterone cream and that still didn't bring it back the first time I did that. So I started to do, um, like prescription progesterone cream initially, or was it more like a natural? It was a natural. I never did any sort of like um, synthetic hormone replacement ever. I refused to be honest. Mm-hmm. I knew that I could, that this could be resolved in some capacity. And if it wasn't, so that's when I kind of fell into this headspace place. Um, so I started seeing a therapist with a, who focuses on mindfulness practices and being present. And that was a game changer for me because I went to her to help me cope with the pain Um, because at this point that was like the number one thing on my mind. And then we also talked a lot about fertility and wanting to be a mom someday and, and how I could do that if I was going to always be in pain. And she just sent me home. It wasn't just like, Hey, let's talk about this stuff in the session. She had sent me home with actionable things I could do to work on being present, things that worked specifically for me, um, that would work, that would help me in those times when I'd start to feel really stressed out or overwhelmed. And so I started utilizing that stuff and I bring my husband with me sometimes and he'd help, she would help him learn the tools to help me. Yeah. And that was huge. And in that time, we also, I kind of came to this place where I was like, I'm not happy here. We were living in the Silicon Valley at the time. My husband had a job. What's the Silicon Valley? um, It's like the Bay Area. It's like where Google is. Just fast paced stressful. And where um, is Santa Cruz in relation to that South? Have, so we have the Santa Cruz mountains between us now. Okay. So 17 is this windy road that takes you from the Silicon Valley to Santa Cruz. So we have this beautiful separation now that we're in Santa Cruz. So different, so different type of lifestyle in the Silicon Valley than what you have in Santa Cruz, I'm assuming. Oh, a hundred percent. It's like, we might as well be four hours away. I think, <laughs> um, 
And so we decided, I remember one day, my husband was in this job that he had worked really, really hard to move up in and he was doing a phenomenal job and, but I could see it wearing on him. And I remember like him getting a phone call from his boss on Christmas, asking him to do something. And I was like, uh-uh. <laughs> my, you know, family comes first. And so, um, one day we were on a walk and I remember like I had this headache and we we're walking the dogs and I was like, Hey, what do you think about moving? <laughs> And it was one of those things, and Jess, you and I have talked about this, this concept of like sometimes we think about moving um, because it's, a, it's an escape from things that might be stressing us out in life. And that's not – the move might not necessarily fix those things, but it is kind of a way to cope. Or reset, and it's, yeah. Or reset, yeah. yeah. And so we – um, decided we were going to check out Colorado and the Pacific Northwest and we settled on Washington. And so we planned a back-to-back trip. We flew to Denver, checked out Boulder, flew straight from there to Seattle and went to this, we had, um, Googled or no, a friend of ours had recommended this small town in Washington called Port Townsend and it's up on the peninsula. So we flew from Boulder to Seattle, drove out, stayed a night. The next morning we were like, we're moving here. (laughs) It was so slow paced. It was nice and like kind of just our style in terms of like the crunchiness and the food was like, there was surrounded by organic farms Mm -hmm. and a short drive from the Olympic national forest. And it was exactly what we needed. And so that trip, we started looking at houses and we got an agent and we didn't find one on that trip, but within a month, our agent had sent us another option and we bought a house sight unseen with contingencies, but still like, um, sight unseen. What was the housing market compared to where you, was it cheaper to be in Washington or was it? Oh my gosh, without a doubt. So we, our house, we live in a con, I don't, I don't mind sharing this stuff. We live in a condo here in Santa Cruz, um, for, um, over $400,000 that we bought, we bought it for. And it's way more than that now. Cause I remember looking, yeah. cause we like to just get on realtor.com and just like see stuff. And like, cause we always joke about like moving to Santa Cruz and I'm like, dude, please. It's like $600,000 now. So you get your money back at, at this point. Yes. <laughs> Laura. But our, we bought a five bedroom house on a quarter acre, um, across the street from a state park in Washington for $300,000. Oh my gosh. But it was, you know, it's a small town. There's not a lot of work. Mm-hmm. So it makes sense. Yeah. Um, and we, so we moved there in, in uh, June of 2014. Gosh. Where are we now? 2014. So we lived there 2014, 20, 2015. No, 2015 to 2016. Sorry. <laughs> it doesn't really matter. We lived there for a year. And um, in the course of that, so we moved in June. And by October, my period was back. And That's so amazing. part of it was slowing way down. Mm-hmm. I only went to be, there was a very small CrossFit gym there that my husband and I coached at. And, um, the majority of the members were like over 40 or 50. And, you know, so I was like, without sounding egotistical, I was the fittest <laughs> woman in class. <laughs> and so I was able to slow down and I only took those classes three days a week. And the other days I just walked. Um, and when I did take class, that was it. I took one hour class. And I started eating everything that I wanted to and lots of treats, but all very, very high quality. Like I didn't, I wasn't eating junk, but I wasn't thinking about, you know, when I was living in, um, in California, I was eating, like I would just buy grass fed liver and I would pan saute it and I would just eat it right off the pan. There's no joy in that. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. There was no joy in it. And so I was thinking about eating, you know, nutritioning so hard, eating all the things, even if I didn't enjoy them. 
um, making these smoothies that tasted awful because I was putting like all the supplements and mm-hmm. I wasn't enjoying food. And we go to Washington and we were in this like Mecca of local, organic, incredible food. Um, I was making so many amazing recipes for my blog and just the pace was so slow. And, um, I was eating lots of paleo treats and we were just drinking a lot of organic hard cider, to be honest with you. I'm not having for booze, but yeah, yeah. but I mean, yeah, it's just enjoyment. Yeah. Relaxing. And when did you start your blog? I started my blog in 20, it used to be called lift, laugh, eat, repeat. (laughs) And I started it in, I I think 2013. (laughs) Okay. And it's definitely morphed and changed a lot since then. So you started it before you moved to Washington? Oh yeah. I started it before, um, like right after my husband and I got married. So, and tell me about the day, the moment that you got your period back after like literally what was it, like 10 years? Yeah. What's been incredible about this experience and a super big silver lining for me is that I've learned my body in a deeper way than I ever thought possible. I knew it was coming. Hmm. I could feel like for probably a week beforehand, um, I could feel things just felt different. I had a little bit of cramping. Um, it wasn't a huge emotional shift, but it was just like some cramping and my body just felt different. I could tell things were happening. And I tell people this too. I knew when I ovulated, when we conceived Mm -hmm. Evie, I could feel it. And so I, um, I knew it was coming and it was, it was so faint that first it it was October and it was so faint. And I remember I, um, the first person I told was Rusty, and then I, 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 my mom had called me, and so I told my mom, too. And I was just like, my period's back. And it was this very kind of like, I don't know. It wasn't a huge, because I kind of had known that it was coming, it wasn't like this, oh, my period. It was kind of like, all right. And yeah, I, I just, yeah. I was in such like a zen, I swear, that was like the most zen year of my life. <laughs> <laughs> I knew it was coming, and it came. And um, fortunately, we didn't. We had our, kind of planned on trying to get pregnant, not until we had been married three years. So it came back 11 months before we wanted to try to start to get yeah, pregnant. Yeah. So I knew it wasn't like, I'm pregnant, let, like, honey, let's get in the bedroom. It was like, yeah. okay, it's, it's here. So now I've got a year to kind of get things. I wanted things to get normalized before mm-hmm. we started trying. And so, you know, we started actually trying in May, I think, or no, June. Yeah, in June <laughs> of this, um, this past summer. So, um, it only took a few months to actually get pregnant once we started trying, but there was a whole time out before yeah. you move on. Cause we're about to hear about the actual like path to conception yeah. or the conception yeah. part here. Question. <laughs> um, I have a question because I know a lot of our reader or listeners readers, I'm going to use that term interchangeably. A lot of our listeners have asked about like hypothalamic amenorrhea and you know, they're training really hard and they don't have a period, but they're very aware that so backing even further up, having your period is a sign of optimal health, hormonal health, just like it's being fertile is like very a healthy thing. Um, and so a lot of that, when, you know, when we were doing CrossFit really hard, we were nutrition, nutritioning really hard and, oh, she's so cute. And we're, you know, you're losing body fat and you're losing weight and you're feeling re- really good in your body. Yet you are very aware that you're not having a period. So tell me about your I hopefully, I think you're pretty comfortable talking about this, oh, but yeah. your weight gain and do you think that played a part in it? You know, having really? kind of throwing numbers out the door and being like, I'm going to let my body decide what weight is appropriate for me to be fertile. So yeah. tell me about that. 
So when we were in Washington, I got up to, I put on about 10 pounds. Um, and I, it was interesting. I, at that time, I also felt very comfortable in my skin and in that, like I got a bigger booty, which was cool. And I, I was, my whole life have been so fixated on my belly. I wanted this like super flat tummy, um, and a tinier waist. And that's just not the way I'm, I got kind of like, I don't know. I don't know. It wasn't in my genes to have like a, a tiny, tiny waist, but it's funny. Cause as I put on weight, um, I started to like my curves and I was like, Oh, my waist looks smaller because now my butt's bigger. <laughs> Not that any of that matters, but just that's <laughs> kind of like where my head went. But it in matters. Case, I mean, it matters like a self acceptance yeah. and feeling sexy and confident. I think it totally, totally matters. And my husband loved it and I got bigger boobs and my body, I just felt like, Hey, my body's fertile because it's going to, it's going to like, I'm getting bigger in all these places. <laughs> and it wasn't super noticeable. Like I didn't have to buy a new wardrobe. I put on weight in ways that my body needed it. Um, And so, so yeah, I put on some weight and it felt good. And then my period came back and it wasn't like I was eating. I wasn't trying to put on weight by eating more than I was very in tune with what I needed. I would eat when I was hungry. I would stop when I wasn't. It was a very cool time because I'd spent a lot of years doing like zone or eating, you know, thinking about what I was eating in terms of like what, how much about so much about quantity and quality. And so at this point I'd be like, if I had a hungrier day, I would eat more. If I wasn't as hungry, I would eat less. Um, and still eating super nutrient dense, but kind of whatever I felt like eating. And that was pretty empowering in and of itself. And I think a good lesson to take into motherhood and especially postpartum listening to cues and recovering. And, um, the episode with Melissa Hemphill just aired. And so I highly recommend you guys listen to that one. It's kind of speaks to my experience, um, pretty powerfully. So in any case, I put on some weight and then um, my period became pretty regular and I started deciding, okay, I'm ready to, to kind of get back to, I love being fit. I love the way that it feels to be strong and, and fit and whatnot. And so I, um, wanted to get back into a little bit more. So I started tracking my food a bit more, um, making sure that I was eating balanced meals and thinking about what I was eating. And I was actually started counting macros again, just because I like to go in ebbs and flows with that. And I think it's important that I do it because so many women want to do it. And if I'm going to work with these women, I should know what it's like. So I started doing it. Um, and I felt empowered by that. It didn't, it wasn't, I was for the first time with tracking, I wasn't in a weird place. I actually felt like it was helping me eat enough. Um, I started training a little bit harder, especially when we got back to California. So we decided through, that's a whole nother episode that our, to, to follow our happy, to choose happy, we were going to move back, but we were going to move to Santa Cruz where we really already had a tribe set up. Some of our best friends live here and it's been one of the most amazing decisions of our lives. We loved Washington. We love the people we met there, but this is where we need to be at this point in our lives. And this is home. And so upon coming back, I started training again, but just taking class five days a week and tracking what I was eating. Um, and I felt fitter than ever. And it was in that stage that, that we got, that we conceived, but I know without a shadow of a doubt that I had to put on that extra weight. So when we got back, by the time we conceived, I was back down, um, probably like 10, eight to 10 pounds again. Um, but in such a healthy place, like my body was, it was pretty incredible. Actually, I think when we were up there, I probably gained closer to 12 and then was back down about 10. Not that, I mean, sometimes I'd lose or gain two pounds in a day, so it doesn't really matter, but you know, all just some, for some perspective. Um, and we conceived in that state and 
but at the same time I was doing some new things as well. So I was, I got back on, I started seeing a naturopath and I got back on progesterone cream and cause I knew my levels were, I didn't retest, which is something I probably should have done and what I will do when we try again. But I knew that they had been low in the past. And so I felt comfortable going on the natural cream that I just rubbed on my arms. Um, and I kept that up into my second trimester. Um, I, so I did that. I started taking a CBD oil, which was just kind of to help me disconnect. It, there was no psychoactive effects, but it helps to kind of like turn my brain off a little bit at night so I could sleep well and just um, be in that state. And then I was also um, taking, I started taking prenatal um, right before my period came back, I think, or just after it came back. So I'd been on a prenatal for almost a year, the garden of life. Um, so I was doing that. I was doing um, high quality fish oil and the CBD oil and then the progesterone cream. Those are my things. And the final thing that we did, my naturopath also was a certified, um, Ayurvedic masseuse. And so she does mind massage, which is a uterine or abdominal massage. And I'd heard about it in the past and I've done a bunch more research. And the reality is that women hold so much trauma and stress in our uterus. And it sounds crazy, but there's a lot to be said for that. Uh, you might notice like when you have your period cramps are worse if you're in a stressful state and things like that. It's really cool to just tune into. Well, your uterus is a muscle. I mean, exactly. it's, it would make sense that you would hold tension and stress mm -hmm. there just like you would anywhere else. It's probably the most magical muscle in the entire universe, <laughs> the right? Most powerful one. I would yes. tend to say. <laughs> and so it makes sense to work that area and to tune mm -hmm. into that area. And I think oh. as women, we're kind of trained to, um, tune out, and to like periods are gross and they're such a pain and a burden and our uteruses, they suck and they hurt and we get cramps and it's like, no, how about we tune in to how magical and powerful they are and how cool of a, yeah. What do you think? You must to share too. How cool <laughs> symbol they are for our wellness and our health and our power. And, um, and so I did this massage and I did it two days after my cycle, my period had ended. And two days later, I literally felt myself ovulate and I had stopped peeing on the stick because this is something I left out. I was checking, peeing on the stick and checking ovulation and not getting any positives. And what I learned now is that I was just ovulating early. And so, um, I ovulated only four days after my cycle ended, my period ended and I only had only had a four day period. And I, I did that my, yeah, I did that my <laughs> massage and I felt myself ovulate like two days later. And, um, I, so I was like, you know what? Something's, something's up. I'm, I feel this. And I peed on the stick and it was positive and we had some fun. And then <laughs> now we have Evie. <laughs> so I think some of the big things were, and I'm interested to experiment, you know, second time around, but, um, the, Oh shoot. I was also in primrose oil. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm going to, I'll link to that as well, but the, um, the progesterone cream that I was on that I, I don't know if you can get it outside of a naturopath or a doctor of some sort, but, um, we actually just had a conversation about this in our Facebook group. It's the metabolic maintenance. Um, and so we'll link to that as well. But so I think the big things were the progesterone cream potentially, um, the mind massage, obviously the headspace thing, like that was mm -hmm. so huge for me to get my period back was seeing the therapist, 
all the way up till we moved. She kind of helped with the catalyst for that move, like talking through that with her. Um, and then, and then, so the move, slowing down my pace, slowing down my training and then enjoying food again, because I don't think the full, and we talk about this in the episode with Mel, I don't think the nourishment of the food I was eating was, was serving me because I wasn't in a headspace to allow it to. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, and there's science behind that. So headspace, enjoying the nutrition I was eating and then slowing down on the fitness um, only, and the big thing is guys, it doesn't have to be forever, right? It's mm-hmm. a period of, a period of your life where you can kind of get things regulating and functioning optimally. And then you can pick up the things you love again, maybe with a new headspace for it. Mm-hmm. Totally. So, yeah. And that's my like feedback. Um, just initially we're, I really want to dive in deep to like a t- the topic of hypothalamic amenorrhea, but mm-hmm. you know, we have listeners that are training really hard and macroing really hard and they don't have a period. And it's like, not saying that that's fine because it's not necessarily optimal for your body, but at that point in time, they're focused on training and what their body can do and hitting goals as far as like training. Right. So yeah, it's a different phase of life, but when you're ready to move into the childbearing kind of talk and conception and stuff, um, you, you, unfortunately, not unfortunately, but you will have to change your mindset. You're now going to be training for conception and birth. Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, that's kind of like your training goal. And so you, again, it's like, you're going to have to probably, for some people, it'll probably be, it might be easier to get that period going back again, but for others, it might require that multifaceted approach. So just, I don't know where I'm going with this, but it's all about what, what's your goal? Where are you right now? Um, yeah. And it's not all, it's not always an easy fix and you can't always fix yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes you have to let, it's letting go that fixes. And, and also a big thing that I want to say is using the word fix. I have a hard time with because you're not broken. Mm-hmm. Um, I was never broken. Yeah. If you don't have a period, you're not broken. Your body is doing the absolute best that it can given what it's got in that moment. So mm-hmm. I think a big thing was like starting to appreciate my body for what it was doing and for its power. And instead of like, I'm broken, I'm, you know, my, my neck hurts. Oh, also in that time, I forgot to say when we were in Washington, the pain went away like a hundred percent. So I think a lot of it was, it was an initial injury. And then the chronic nature of the injury was a lot due to headspace. I know that it was, I was clenching my teeth, which was making things worse. And so letting go of a lot of the the mental stress, um, also helped with the chronic pain, which is pretty cool. That's amazing. Those two things were hand in hand, no doubt. That's amazing. Yeah. Your story is awesome. <laughs> I love it. Um, it's, I'm glad that I went through it looking back. It's, yeah. it's made me a better mom. It's made me a better friend, a better wife, I, you know, and a better lover to myself. <laughs> yeah. So I, you know, it's, it's was, it was shitty in the midst of it. Yeah. I mean, crappy, sorry, <laughs> uh, but it, it made, I, you know, I wouldn't change my trajectory. So right. it was what it was. Absolutely. And now you can share your story and help however many other people are listening to this. Yeah. Um, and I think that's, that's huge. It's amazing. Cool. So my story. Should, should we dive into yours? <laughs> Well, it's not as cool as Laura's, um, but yeah. And it's, and some people will re- be able to relate way better to yours than to mine. You yeah. Know? So yeah, I mean, let's, let's dive in. Um, hearing your story just like kind of brings back a lot of memories from that time in my life too. So, um, this will be fun. I, so I 
like Laura, went on, let's go all the way back, went on birth control fairly early too. Um, I want to say like probably around 16. I got my period early, not early, but normal. I think it was like in eighth grade. So like 13 or 14. Um, And so it had always been fairly regular. But again, it was like, I went to the doctor one time and they asked me how my cycle was. And I was like, oh, it's kind of heavy. And, you know, kind of have some cramps, probably fairly standard for that time in my life. Like, you're just, you're not really consistent at that point. Um, Your body's trying to figure everything out. But um, they were like, oh, well, let's just put you on some some birth control and just to, to regulate things, make it easier. I think I was going through like a time where my like skin was breaking out also totally normal, <laughs> but they were like, it'll help with your skin. It'll help take the cramps away, like all this stuff. And I'm like 16 thinking, this is awesome. Uh, sign me up. Um, and so I started birth control around like 16 or 17 um, and then continued to take it until very shortly after we try started trying to conceive, um, bear our first son. So I'm trying to think here, probably a good 10 years. I was on birth control nonstop. Um, same kind of story, you know, once I couldn't get it through insurance, I used Planned Parenthood and, um, it was just like, they hand, they would literally hand me like 10 packs of birth control in a visit and be like, here, take this birth control. <laughs> Don't come back for a year, which so it is kind of insane. And I'm thankful. Okay. This is on a whole nother tangent being irresponsible. Not that, that I was ever like promiscuous, but thinking that like, it's fine. Everything's fine because I'm on birth control. Um, at that age, I just, God, I just didn't know anything about anything. <laughs> So we're not educated and we're in the conversation isn't happening. Like it's a conversation that that should, instead of putting a 15 year old on birth control, you should have a conversation about what that means and Mm -hmm. what it does and the implications and what it doesn't do, what it doesn't protect from. Right. And I'm not even, it's like, I'm not even accusing like my mom or my parents or, or whatever, like they should have done this. It's like, I know they were doing the best they could, but it was more like, okay, you're on birth control. So if anything happens you should be okay and like we never actually had to talk about what that was even into and then by the time I was off to college it was too late and too awkward to like talk to my mom about all that stuff but um yeah that's a whole nother tangent but and I know it's Dr. Jolene Brighton she's been on the Balance Bites podcast um but she talks about we're just now discovering because even okay look back socially how birth control was such a like revolutionary thing like back in like 60s and 70s when people when it was just starting like people were starting women especially were learning how they could like be in charge of their own choices and you know there was really no option if you didn't want to get pregnant back then for preventing that other than abstinence right and so it became this like really cool thing to be on birth control um I know I'm, I'm very much generalizing but you know what I mean like on a social level Um, and so now it's become so commonplace and especially I think in our day and age when we're starting birth control, like in our teens, um, you know, it's common for people to be on it for 10 plus years. And so we're just now seeing the effects of long-term birth control use and we'll never really know exactly the full extent, I think of what that means, but we do know that 
it can be detrimental. So that's a whole nother tangent. Again, finding a, like a provider that you trust, um, like maybe a more natural minded provider, I think is the first step in having that conversation about if you are on birth control right now, if you're wanting to kind of explore other options, um, finding someone you can talk to that has the background that is more maybe natural minded would probably be the first step. Okay. I'm getting way off course. <laughs> For my own I think story. we could do a whole episode on birth control, the why and why not to birth yeah. control. You know, it serve, obviously serves a purpose, mm-hmm. but um, it also can can cause some harm. So. Right. And I can just say from my perspective, I didn't have any um, – I always had my period on birth control. I never went on – I think I was like orthotricycline low was like the really common one. Um, and I always had my period. I never went on a type that would like skip periods. Cause I know there's one where you have it like four times a year or like one where you just don't have it at all while you're on birth control. So I have been fortunate enough to always have a very consistent period, um, even on birth control. So, um, and that's even, I even had continued to have my period when I was, you know, struggling through eating disorder. So I was like 95 pounds. I'm a small person. So I mean, 95 pounds is not a lot to weigh, but I also, I never really looked like, you know, to the point where it was like, people were like, what is going on? It was always, I was able to kind of hide it very well. Um, but even through that, I was able to, to maintain my period, which I'm, I'm actually fortunate in that regard. So fast forward to meeting Tim And then we are trying to decide, we were married for about a year when then we decided that we want to start having the discussion about having a kiddo. And so I went off birth control and we kind of, I just wanted to see what would happen. And we wanted to just, I think we took the approach that a lot of people take initially. It's like, we're not going to prevent, but we're not going to like try, like we're not going to schedule things or anything like that. Um, the same thing. We never yeah. like until that moment where I was like, Oh, I'm ovulating. Mm-hmm. I had stopped tracking. Cause I feel like that's a big part of it that people could take from this episode is like sometimes not tracking and not trying really hard can help sometimes, not always, but sometimes. Yeah. So here's my thought on it. Initially we started and we were like, okay, we're not going to track. We're not going to try. We're not going to do anything. Well, I'm incredibly type a, and I thought, you know, we're young, we're healthy. Like this should happen fairly quickly. And I'm just like, so, so I think the statistic is, um, on average, it takes about a year for a healthy, normal couple to conceive. So statistically that is normal for me. It was like two months in and I was like, okay, we're not pregnant. Like what the hell? I thought this was going to be easy. So obviously big sign pointing to me as a super impatient person, but that's just my, my nature. So I wanted to, and again, I wasn't in tune with my body. I could not feel ovulation. I was definitely the one who was like taking Tylenol throughout my entire period, just so I didn't feel anything that had to do with my period. Um, so just wasn't really in tune with my body. So that's when I decided to start kind of tracking through an app Um, I use flow living, which is amazing. Um, it's cool because the inventor of this app flow, um, she wrote a book called women code and it's all about cycle syncing. So, um, basically it's like we as women are cyclical beings in that 
we have hormonal ebbs and shifts that are predictable. Um, and during those shifts, there are some predictable things that we will be feeling, things that we will be good at, things that we won't be good at, exercises that will be good for us, like strength training versus cardio versus yoga, foods that are optimal for the specific time in our cycle. So things that you need that you to support your cycle during those times, um, food wise. So it's just really fascinating. Um, I highly recommend that book if you're trying to get in tune with your body and your cycle. So anyways, started tracking with flow living. And, um, I think we did that for a month or two and we still hadn't got pregnant because it was still telling me I'm about that. I should be ovulating about halfway through my cycle, much like a, an average woman with a 28 day cycle and you ovulate at day 14 and everything's perfect. Well, obviously we're so individual. It's like, you cannot just assume, I mean, you may be able to assume in the beginning that you're the standard person, but if things aren't really flowing like they, you kind of assume they will, I think it's okay to kind of dive in, especially if you aren't really in tune with what's going on. So that's when I started doing something. I think it's so important for, I'm not going to say any shoulds, Mm -hmm. but I think it's pretty incredible for every woman, whether you're trying to conceive or not, because it can be beneficial on both ends of the spectrum to get in tune with your cycle, to track, Mm because it's a great alternative to birth control. Mm -hmm. If you can, you know, you can plan that way. You can get to know. And then like you were saying, you know, what, when to eat, uh, in what part of your cycle, when to train harder or to back off a little bit and you just get so much more in tune. And then I think it shifts the mindset from like being frustrated with the period to almost like embracing it. Mm -hmm. And there's some cool things that can happen creatively and mentally around that time. I think it's pretty awesome. It is pretty rad. And I've, now that I've got my period back postpartum after Camille's birth, um, diving more into that. Um, and it's really cool because it's not like they'll send you updates. The app will like, you're in your luteal phase. Now's a good time to do strength training or whatever. Um, and it also allows you to send, sign up your partner for like little messages and emails that will say, Jess is in her ovulation phase. Like now's a good time to, (laughs) to like approach sex or whatever. Um, and so, or, and also like if you're trying to prevent pregnancy, now would be a good time to avoid sex. Find other ways to be intimate. Yeah, absolutely. So a back rub. (laughs) Yeah. Let's do a foot rub. Um, but yeah, so it's just amazing. Um, that's a tangent, but definitely look into that. Even if you aren't trying to conceive, um, you're just wanting to get more in tune with your, with yourself. But so we, I started tracking ovulation through, um, sticks and found out that I was ovulating later in my cycle. So I had what's called, I think it's technically was like a short luteal phase, which can be problematic with conceiving. Um, I don't know all the specifics. Again, this is not a science episode, but um, mine was just on the verge of being shortened. So I was just ovulating later. So once we figured that out, um, this is so funny because I feel like this happens to a lot of people. We've been trying for, I think it was four months and I was like, this is driving me crazy. Cause I was like getting into like tracking everything. And I'm like, okay, we gotta like have sex now. Like this is when we're, we're going to do it. And I was like, I, I just told him like, I think we need to take a break. Like I, I, I feel myself getting into like a weird headspace and getting kind of obsessed. And so we both decided together, let's take a break. Let's, you know, just not a set time, but maybe a couple months, maybe six, maybe a year, just, you know, see what happens. Um, and we were already pregnant. (laughs) 
when we made that decision. So um, it literally took about four, four months, four and a half months for us to conceive with Bear, which is very, I, I feel fairly quick for um, some people. And so that pregnancy was easy, really easy. I continued to CrossFit through it. Um, had minimal morning sickness. I think it was like two or three weeks. Um, and it was just really, really easy. So, um, fast, we've already kind of talked about my birth story, so I won't dive into that, but, um, because I kind of dealt with some postpartum issues and we nursed for a really long time, like not really long time, 22 months, um, 20, around 22 months, and when I went through the weaning process with Bear, I was also, what people don't tell you is that weaning can be um, similar to or even worse hormonally, emotionally um, as the postpartum, like that initial postpartum period because hormones are changing. Those, all those feel-good hormones that have been pumped into your body from nursing are dropping drastically. Um, and so there's some definite shift through that. So it took me a long time. Um, till bear was about two and a half ish for me to even consider wanting to have another kiddo. Like Tim, he's the guy who wants like five kids. And I was just like, I honestly would be happy with one kid. I was at that place where like, I don't want to think about it. I don't want to talk about it. I still am like stressed about all of this. Um, but I emerged from the, from the haze, from the, all that like crazy hormonal stuff and um, was like, you know, I'm not sure if I, like 100% sure, but let's just take it the same approach. Um, at about two and a half, when Bear was two and a half, I was like, let's take the same approach. Let's not try. Let's not prevent. Let's just kind of see what happens. Um, and that happened really quickly. Like, I want to say like the second month of, we weren't even like really trying. I wasn't tracking anything. Um, it was just like kind of let's wait and see what happens. Um, we got pregnant. And so at that point I knew when I peed on the stick and it was positive, I was like, okay, like I really want this to happen. I was super excited. I was like, yes, there's going to be a big brother. Like this is so exciting. Um, and I remember, yeah, that was like the summer, um, right after bears, right before bears, um, third birthday no second birthday I get really confused timeline wise here because it's all kind of a haze um but we got pregnant and immediately started kind of like spotting and I was at first thought you know it's just like implantation bleeding or just like some breakthrough bleeding um and everything I was like googling like crazy was like it's normal to have spotting in early pregnancy like don't worry so I was trying not to really stress well, it kind of like picked up, um, a little bit. And so that's when I was like, okay, this is, I don't feel like this is normal. Started feeling like kind of crampy. And so that's when I went to my OB-GYN. I didn't actually have a, a doctor at that point because I delivered at a birth center, um, with Barrett and then we moved town. So I found, um, through recommendation an OB-GYN in our town and she did an ultrasound and they didn't, they saw like, I guess, I don't know the technical terms for it, but they saw a sack, but there was no heartbeat, but it's still very early. I want to say it was like six or seven weeks at that point. Um, and so she was like, it's not necessarily a bad sign. Like, I don't want you to freak out. Like, let's put you on progesterone. And um, this was prescription suppository progesterone. So you have to insert it into your vagina. Okay. 
like we're just talking real, real talk here. Um, and she said to me, you know, I don't know if this is a miscarriage. Um, I don't know if it's because you have low progesterone that you're like possibly having a miscarriage or if you have low progesterone because you're having a miscarriage because it kind of sinks up, you know, progesterone starts to drop as you begin to miscarry. So in that time, we also did blood tests. So my progesterone was really low, really, really low. I I can't remember the exact numbers, but to the point where it was like in the, you're not pregnant, um, range. And so, um, I continue to take the suppositories, but she was like, you know, if it's happening, there's not a whole lot we can do to prevent it from progressing at this point. So we just kind of have to see if the progesterone works, then it's a viable pregnancy and this will help. If it's something that's already happening, then it's not going to really do anything. And so continue to take the progesterone. And I, this is kind of like crazy because I haven't really shared this part of the story, but, and it's not really conception related, but, um, ended up having a full on miscarriage and I knew it was happening because the blood was like really picking up. Um, sorry, this is trigger warnings. I probably should have said that for anyone that has gone through this. Um, but it increased the cramping increased and, um, I ended up passing. It's actually, this part of the story is incredible and I, I will share it. I haven't really told many people about this, but, um, I could, I saw the sack um, it's crazy. It was about eight, eight and a half weeks. So, um, it was incredible. Honestly, it was one of the most emotional things I've ever been through, but also one of the most beautiful things, um, because I got to see my, my baby. Um, it was crazy. I even like called him in there and I was like, I know you probably don't want to see this, but like, this is our child. Um, and it was, so yeah, it was, it was really special. Um, so I am definitely one of those, the one, I think what's the statistic now, like one in one in four, one of those, um, women who had a miscarriage, mine was an early miscarriage. And I really, a miscarriage is a miscarriage because I know many people will tell you the moment you see a positive pregnancy test, you are a mom to that baby and that baby is like your child. And so, um, I don't think it means any less because it was only eight weeks. Um, so that was shocking. I'm, I'm trying, I don't want to seem like I'm minimizing that, that story, but I know that's not necessarily the point of this podcast. I definitely want to take the opportunity at a later date to dive into that, um, and share more deeply, like the feelings around that and the stigma around that. But I know that we'll save that for another time. So after that, um, I, that was my first introduction to feeling like something was wrong with me. Um, you know, my thoughts after that was, well, why did this happen? I'm doing everything right. I have a period. I don't know. I didn't have any trouble. Um, the first go around getting pregnant. And I know, I think the term is secondary infertility when you had no trouble getting pregnant the first go around. And then the second go around, you have some some issues. And I think it's fairly common. Um, but so that was my first introduction to like, okay, I'm going to have to like, actually probably, this is not just going to be like an easy natural process. Um, so I know I kind of told you guys, I was unsure of if we wanted to have another kiddo at that point, 
you know, losing that pregnancy and feeling how excited I was initially, I knew it was kind of like, okay, I want to get pregnant. I don't want to wait very long. Like I want to do this again. Um, I like desperately wanted to be pregnant again. And so we let my cycle regulate because I think you're supposed to wait at least a cycle to start just so everything gets flushed out and, you know, things can kind of regenerate and be healthy again. So we waited two cycles and tried again and we got pregnant again quickly. Um, and so I remember it was around Halloween because our Halloween photos, I had just told my friend, my good friend, Holly, um, we went over to her house to go trick or treating with bear and I just told her. And so all the pictures from Halloween bring back memories of like me remembering like, okay, like I'm pregnant again. So just good, joyful memories. And so at that point I was like, okay, this is not, I'm not, I don't want this to happen again. So I reached out to my ob and I was like, Hey, I'm pregnant again. I have a positive test. I want to do testing to see if like where my progesterone is and then determine if I want to go on the suppository. Cause I just, I didn't want to be, cause we still didn't know if I had low progesterone because I was, it was not a viable pregnancy or if I just naturally had low progesterone. And so we did testing throughout. Um, and I wasn't on progesterone at that point. And then I think around seven, eight weeks, um, it started to, to drop. And so at that point I was like, I'm not gonna take my chances with this. And so we went back on the suppository and I actually had some spotting too. So it was really scary. Um, I was just thinking in my mind again, like this is happening again, like what is going on? But fortunately I think it was, and Jolene Bright, Dr. Jolene Brighton. And then I think even Liz and I have, or Liz has talked about this a little bit on the podcast is that there's some time in between kiddos. If you haven't really addressed your hormones, like maybe you have some adrenal dysfunction, things are not necessarily optimally working. Um, I think, I don't know the the statistics again, but um, miscarriage can be common in between pregnancies um, because things are not really functioning at an optimal level. So I'm just saying for myself, I think that that probably had something to do with it Um, because I was still really tired. I wasn't able to work out. Like things were not ideal. So I went on the progesterone supplement for my doctor said she normally does it for the first 12 weeks because I think at around 12 weeks. So once you get into the second trimester, your placenta starts taking over the production of progesterone, um, and not necessarily your body. So it's not usually needed beyond that point. So I did the suppository. It was awful (laughs) in that it was just messy. And also I had really bad morning sickness with my second pregnancy. Um, the whole time I was on the progesterone supplement, I don't know if it was related to that, but I can kind of think there's a connection. Um, I was also extremely moody, which is normal during pregnancy, but I felt not like myself. Um, so a lot of morning sickness, I might've been as a result of that, but, um, we made it safely and transitioned off. We weaned off the progesterone dosages and made it safely into the second trimester and now we have Camille <laughs> and I won't go into the whole, cause we've already talked about it, but that's my path to conception for both of my kiddos. I know we kind of went on a lot of tangents, but I think sharing awesome. the whole yeah. story there is valuable. So, and I, I want to um, go back because, excuse me, I said primrose oil, primrose oil. Mm-hmm. That is not for 
conception or fertility yeah. that is to help induce yes. labor naturally. So yes. what I meant was chase tree berry. I got okay. those two confused. So, and I also forgot to say the organ complex. So the things I was on just to get it all in one spot was the natural progesterone cream, um, the chase, the chase tree berry extract, a fish oil, prenatal, and then organ complex. I started on the vital proteins, liver pills, and then started working with paleo Valley and got on that organ complex. Right. And I will say that I had to go off of fish oil, um, during my pregnancy because my, I told my doctor what I was on and she said, and I know that there has been linked, um, fish oil can, I think it's, it just thins the blood. Um, yeah. and so it can increase bleeding. Mm-hmm. Like even if you just cut yourself and I've already, I, like I notice when I'm really consistent with my fish oil, like if I cut myself or pick a scab or whatever, um, it just bleeds a lot more. But so she recommended that I stop my fish oil, um, during yes. just my pregnancy and, and think, every, yeah, everyone's situation is going to be, so yeah, different. everyone's super different. So all of this is just our individual stuff. We're kind of telling mm-hmm. you what we did. And as always, we preface every podcast episode, check with your provider. If you're going to do anything, yes. implement any change, take any supplements. Um, you want to make sure again, that it's, it, it's what it will be working for you in your yeah, and, situation and always like trying to get to the, the root of the issue. Like for me, it only took us a few months, but that's, if you're looking at it from one perspective, really, it took me like five yeah. years, mm-hmm. you know, of work and, and figuring out, you know, and dealing with a lot of different things. So, yeah. um, especially when it comes to, even if it's like a natural hormone replacement, you know, like a natural progesterone cream, it's still, it's still impacting your hormones. Yeah. So it's really important to work with somebody in that regard versus mm-hmm. just self, um, self-medicating, I guess. Yeah, definitely. And I was going to actually, I meant to say something when you said primrose oil to ask you if you meant like at the end, because I started taking primrose oil. Like, I think once I reached full term, like 37 weeks, I think that's Mm -hmm. technically. Um, and then also like a, a complex, um, like an herbal complex to like red raspberry leaf tea also. And then also like a pill complex that basically had some of those, herbs to like encourage delivery. Um, yeah, but that was also, at, yeah, that was also at the guidance of my midwife. She was the mm-hmm. one who told me the dosage and all that stuff. I would not just recommend like going on Amazon, grabbing the first thing you see and then just taking it right. ad nauseum or whatever, but um, at any stage of the motherhood yeah. transition or really in life. <laughs> right. Absolutely. Um, so yeah, those awesome. are our stories. Yeah, I love it. And if you guys have questions, you can feel free to comment on either one of our blog posts with the show notes for this episode, and we'll be happy to respond or direct message us on Instagram or email modernmamaspodcast at gmail.com because okay. we just unpacked a lot about our own stories. <laughs> but I mean, the, per, the first person to ask is going to be your healthcare provider. Yeah. And if your healthcare provider isn't giving you answers, it doesn't seem like he or she's being transparent or working with you. Or if you get a single eye roll for any question you ask, it's time to find somebody new. Right. I went through so many. I saw like three different OBs. I saw a naturopath, a functional medicine doctor. Like you just have to find the right person. Not all providers are going to be the same. And one might work really well for someone and not well for you. So absolutely. Yeah. All right. Well, I had a lot more to say than guys. I had a lot more to say than I well, yeah, you had two two fertility <laughs> journeys or two conception journeys. Yeah. So, well, I'm excited to cool. hear about your second 
conception. Yeah. I'm excited yeah. that we're doing this podcast so I can talk through it as it's going on. I and, know. and I feel like all our listeners really hold the space for me to be open and honest and, and share. So yeah, um, thank you guys for that as well. Totally. Well, as always, we enjoy having you in our little world and yeah. we'll see you next time. And, uh, hey, thanks for listening guys. Yeah. We'll Happy week. Happy week. <laughs> Enjoy. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Bye.